Rising Podcast, a podcast about Phoenix Rising Football Club. I'm Kellen Olson, joined as always by Jake Anderson. Guess what, Jake? Rising won again. I am surprised. This is my surprised face. Another win. Seven in a row. Club record just keeps going. Wow. Uh, incredible stuff. I just, you can tell, by the way, I've been talking about Junior Flemings and Jason Johnson the past couple of weeks. I just kind of keep waiting. And this is like my Arizona sports fandom of just not having great teams. And just being just ready for the inevitable. On to this one to just, no, not e- well. It is that, but it's also the inevitable. Like come down. I know it's like so. The Suns won five of seven games at two different points last season, and I just knew it was going to come crashing down. Oh, you're expecting it to go. I'm to expecting go down. this to kind of go away when the signs are kind of there. Like they had the game against. Um, I'm completely blanking on the team name, but it was either the last week's game, Reno, or two, Reno, where they were actually outplayed, but they still won in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Flemings is gone for a bit. Lambert's gone for a bit. So I'm like, okay, like it's going to start to. No, <laughs> this game uh, they beat OKC Energy four to one, seven wins in a row. Solomon Asante. If we were kind of hinting at the conversation last week about him being the MVP of the league, and look, I do not watch the USL on an NBA or any other sport level where I watch other teams play, and I could not tell you who the top five MVP candidates are in the league, but I know that Solomon Asante has to be one, if not the top guy. He was tremendous in this game, just the amount of quality from him on some of the finishes, particularly the fourth goal. Uh, incredible stuff, but I think the most notable thing to start with here, red card for Farrell in the 29th minute, and they just keep rolling. It- well, to go back to your uh, coming down point, I yeah. I kind of got ripped on this on Twitter last night. I was running home and a black cat ran across my way. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's just, this better not screw up the streak. Uh, Jose Bosch said, I better have an ESPN Plus account. Oh, I might man. not be allowed in. Wow. But anyway, yeah, to go to the game, uh, it was kind of a, a deja vu. Two quick goals to open the game again. They're on the front foot in the open opening 20 minutes, 2-0, and Unfortunately, Joey Farrell does get a second yellow for a handball. His first yellow was for a foul, and just that, that's that's one of those where it's just what can you do? It's yeah, and it's it's just unfortunate. That's the yeah. only way to really put it. Um, Not a dumb challenge or something. It's just no. Yes, it's he should have his hand there, but I mean, yeah, it, it, it it's happens. one of those. And in, in today's game, especially, defenders have to play without their arms. Like literally, their arms have to be cut off <laughs> to not have handballs happen. Yeah. But uh-huh. Um, yeah, Dwigi Mala didn't get the start. Uh, Cochran got the start, um, you know, coming back in for his normal starting position, but Mala had to come right back in. Um, he, I would assume he would be getting the start again in place of Farrell this upcoming game against T2. But honestly, if you were to watch from the 30th minute on, I don't think you would have been able to tell because Shantz didn't even make a, a sub until halftime. I mean, they played with truly three defenders for the remainder of the half and they were just as prolific as they normally are with a man down it, it's honestly it's stunning like if you were to look at it with 10 men they won the match 2-0 and with 11 men they were you know technically he's off the pitch when they score but yeah. you get what I'm saying they uh, were down a man for over 60 minutes and still dominated the way they have been the- 
it's really fun to just it's honestly just a lot of fun like it's fun watching the team you quote-unquote support or the team you quote-unquote cover just dominate like this because that's what they're doing it's asante in particular is just reaching this nuclear level of domination that it, it, it's tremendous to watch um yeah, they took away his goal originally they said yeah. it was his goal and then they took it away he would be tied for the league lead so own goal in the 15th minute, and then he scores one anyway in the 18th. Uh, deal with a beautiful ball across. That's just the, the goals we've been talking about the past six weeks where there was a clear shift in not the quality of the goal, but just the way their build-up play was going on. Sometimes it's 15 passes before a goal. Sometimes it's just four. And this was just one of those, John puts it outside, Dia puts it back across, boom, goal. Just. Yeah, it, it was, it was you, you see it on both sides. The the opposite winger will tuck in. In this case, it was it was Calistri. He comes in, you know, Dia's having that overlap run, plays him in, plays across, and you gotta got to mark the back sticks. And when you don't do that, someone puts the ball in the back of the net. And something we talked about in both matches last week that you smartly highlighted was just early advantage. And this team's um, way underrated defensive ability just because of the goals. We never talk about the defensive effort a lot. Zach Lubin made a couple good saves in this game as well. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. t- to me, it's it's a certain level, right? Because you're up, you're up two already. You get the red card or whatever. And not only are you able to hold that lead with the red card, but you're able to remain the aggressors, like you said, at the end of the first half and then moving forward. I I just don't know what else to expect from them. It, I don't want to put expectations any higher because of the way that they're playing. I'm not saying they should play with 10 men every time to make it fair, <laughs> but, but maybe that would be a start. I'm not really sure. It's everyone's clicking, man. We talked about the last two matches. Everyone is playing great. Aguinaga in particular was mm-hmm. tremendous. Bacaro oh, yeah. scores a free kick goal here this week. You. He was great. Obviously, those three guys, including Musa, have to do a great job with 10 men on to really solidify things, and they, and they did so. Man, what, a, what an all-around uh, performance for them again. And Seven wins in a row. That is no joke in, in the parity we've seen in the league in the USL so far. Yeah, you, to go to your expectations, you can't have any higher expectations. It's 21 points out of 21. The... Average goals, the average scoring line of each game is three point seven to zero point six. <laughs> they are winning by an average of over three goals wow. a game. That is absurd. That, that is absurd. That is unheard of. Insane. It's almost as if the the crest on the front of their jersey is giving them a one nil advantage. And then they actually go out onto the pitch and then they they mop the floor with you. It's it's kind of what they've been what they've been doing and. Every single line, every facet of this team is clicking on all cylinders. It's almost not a good thing that there's going to be a buy after this week because you don't want to lose that form. You know, going two weeks without playing a game, when you're playing this well, you 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 hope it doesn't affect you. You know, you don't want to get a little bit of rust. The, I know the guys are going to want to get some time off their legs. I mean, he he just played basically the same 11 because Joey Farrell had to come off the pitch after 30 minutes. So basically the same 11 guys started for three straight games in eight days, and, and that's no easy thing to, to get over. That's a lot of running, especially in the system that they play, which is so high pressure and intense. And to see everyone buying in and the the depth that the team will have coming after the bye with, with Junior and, and Lambert coming back, it's it, this is the team that I think the people that knew this team followed last year were expecting. I mean, I don't think anyone expected this 
this is unbelievable, but but this is the team that that I know for a fact that the Chants and the team themselves knew that they were capable of. And huge credit to them for staying patient throughout what was it wasn't an extremely difficult and tumultuous start to the season but it was one where they really had to go through some growing pains and sort of the analogy I kept making was they just kept running into the wall and just barely coming up short in terms of becoming the team that they are right now and and them hitting this high level of form at this point in the season with how many games are left it's got to be frightening for the rest of the league so this is the point in the podcast where we would normally preview uh, the upcoming matchup on Saturday. But honestly, it, what is there to discuss right now? It's just we. I think it's going to be more of an interesting tone change once uh, the not the wheels fall off, but they obviously just have a slip up here or there, a draw or a loss. What went wrong? What can they change in the upcoming? There is nothing to really analyze going ahead. It's it's They're going to remain this team. So we're going to go into a bit of a variety bag like we have done before. Uh, we're going to hit on a couple of different things. The first one we should mention, Junior Fleming's got the nod for Jamaica. Uh, they had a couple of injuries. Did you see that one, by the way? I should have asked you this The last match against Curacao? Yeah. Yeah, he, and actually, uh, Lambert came in in about the 70th minute. Um, it ended up not mattering for Jamaica that they ended up allowing the equalizer at the death, but they still won the group. Yeah. Um, and based off tonight's results with U.S.-Panama, they'll play the runner-up of that. But the way that they structured the Gold Cup the winners of those will then play each other. So theoretically, the U.S. and Jamaica could play in the semifinals. How do you look? I didn't see it. He, uh, well, there's a picture of Gavon Lambert. He's about to flick Junior Flemings in the ear, which, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But, yeah. uh, I mean, he, he does what he does. He's, he's yeah. good on the ball. He, I saw him on both sides of, uh, of the field. Um, he was right there with the celebration. The, uh, the announcer, I'm blanking on his name, he's uh, an Englishman, I believe. He wasn't too fond of the celebration. <laughs> um, but the Jamaicans, they uh, they love to celebrate, they love to do what they do. Jamaica's made the last two finals for a reason. I mean, they're a good team. And they honestly could have won that game 5 nothing. They squandered chance after chance. Mm-hmm. Going to be fun to see if he gets any more chances uh, going forward, Lambert and um, Fleming's both. I was going to mention when you said... Uh, the changes didn't come until halftime. I was going to mention that's kind of like not starting your best player. And that's what the U.S. women's national team did with Lindsay Horan. They just did not play her. And there, there was strategy behind it because you got a huge game against France upcoming. But you're in the knockout rounds already. And to not start your best player She was is, on a yellow, I she believe, was, too. So she was on a she yellow. She is still on a yellow, we should say. The important context that we should get to is that she was on a yellow and that team has incredible depth. Like, they... Mm-hmm. They they miss her for sure when she's not in there, but there is a certain level of depth that they have. They basically have the Jason Johnson luxury at every single position almost. Maybe not so much on the defense, but certainly... Every every one of them is played except for the third string keeper. I want to uh, say so, the yeah. two keepers, I believe. And then, I mean, up front is the same sort of thing. Um, Press and Pew weren't, aren't in the lineup, but they're, they're incredible too. Um, but it was it was interesting to see her not play, and it was like, okay, I understand the strategy behind this, but then it's 1-1 at half against Spain and you're kind of wondering like okay surely she's going to come on and then the other thing that was the most uh the biggest storyline of the game to me was Alex Morgan she just didn't look okay they were beating her up they were they were doing what teams did against Neymar in the World Cup they were mauling her and she already didn't look healthy as is to start Mm -hmm. the game and I think they kind of realized that and really picked on her so surely it made sense for her to come off she stayed on for just about most of the game 
and it was it was frustrating to watch from a fan perspective. Uh, I I love rooting for the United States and pretty much anything, particularly uh, the World Cup and the Olympics and things like that. So I was just screaming at my TV every time the whistle blew, and it was. Um, it was out of play or whatever, and the whistle blew. I just expected the camera to cut to the person holding up the scoreboard with 13 on it, and it just never happened until the very end. And it was frustrating, and it was frustrating to see them play at that level too because they're, they're just way better than that, and France is no joke. Yeah, France is absolutely the number two favorite after the United States, obviously. Uh, it's, I think the reasoning with the starting lineup against Spain was the fact that Spain – doesn't have a very good attack. I mean, they showed that in the World Cup. They have the ability to possess the ball, which they can, which they did, but they don't really have any clinical finishers. And let's, let's be honest, the United States gifted them a goal. They did. You know, they they people are going to argue if keepers should just get rid of it, don't pass it in the back, blah blah blah. They do that. That's how they play. They 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 want you to come up, and then they want to be able to just slice through you, beat you, send it over the top. It did. It they made a bad pass. It happens, and I I think the fact that that United States won on two penalties doesn't look good either. We've and we've all seen in tournaments and in playoffs of any sport a, a team that is highly favored sort of get shell shocked at a certain point once the underdog, the big time underdog, hangs around enough, and you could kind of sense it coming in the last five minutes before the second penalty. And then there's this weird thing. By the way, I didn't look her follow up on that on the whole Morgan. Morgan was lining up to take the penalty, and usually Rapino takes them. Morgan's only taken like three or four penalties in her. Yeah, so Rapino actually gave the ball. To uh, uh, Alex Morgan, but um, Els actually said like no. Okay. While they were reviewing the penalty, got you. That may or may still may or may not be a penalty. Um, I always like the joke. Well, what the ref call or what what ended yeah. up being called? But she coach made the decision. Have uh, Rapino take it. Shouts to Roosevelt, by the way. She's incredible to watch. Mm-hmm. She is so good. Oh my gosh. I'm just, I'm just. Tobit Heath's been my favorite to watch. She's awesome. Dunn is awesome. I love this watching Ertz and Haran. Uh, yeah, um, Rapino, Carly Lloyd, at everyone on the team. Like you said, I, I really love. Um, uh, what's what's the right back's name? Um, O'Shea oh, O'Hara? O'Hara O'Hara. She's awesome too. Man, that that whole team. It's just watching that and then watching the the men's team, and you're just like, just like two or three of that level of talent that the women's team have to have that on the men's team would be such a difference maker. Um, I'm just, but yeah, they were shell shocked for a bit and it was like kind of looking around you're saying like they could, I mean, if this goes to extra time and then it goes to penalties, then it's just whatever. Oh, yeah, the longer you leave an underdog in it, yeah. the, the worse it gets. Alexi Lawless and all the panelists made a great point. At some point you need to have this game and it, honestly, it's better to happen earlier than late. You need a game that, you grind out and you find a way to get the ugly win, so to speak. Um, it's all, for football, especially. That's one of those where if you keep winning those ugly one-score games, good. That's a sign of a good team. The good teams win those. So this is the one that everyone was circling going into this World Cup, this quarterfinal matchup on Friday. Hope the United States can do it, but it should be a fun one. I'm excited. Um... Bold move uh, to have me scheduled eleven to seven on Friday with that game. I believe starting at eleven, so I am just going to be a, like making so much 
irresponsible noise in the newsroom. <laughs> I'm, I think uh, I'm in the office too. I don't know what oh time. Oh my gosh, we, we're going to have our own little section, our little fan section in the corner of the web desk, just going ah, oh, just all those types of noises you make with watching soccer and yeah. supporting the team. People are going, yeah, we're going to have the medical team thinking <laughs> we're having heart attacks, which yeah. we probably will. Oh at my some gosh, point. I, I hope they just beat the crap out of them like they did with everyone else. In they the were church. saying that. The two home teams, so to speak, in terms of fans, have been obviously France as the host, but the United States. So this game will actually be interesting to see who has the more the most fans. They're actually, from what I've been hearing from the Fox uh, broadcasters, that actually might be like fifty five percent U.S. in France. Wow, uh, really? That then that that's staggering. I, I had the same reaction. Yeah, but from watching these games. I, there's no way it's going to be any worse than 50-50. There's no way. No. And this game's been sold out for a while now. I'm excited. We're not going to talk about the Gold Cup maybe next time. but uh, As they good, get deeper. Good good job with Trinidad and Tobago, the game against Panama tonight. We'll yeah, see. That's I mean, the big one. By the time we get back, they'll hopefully be in the semis by then. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, speaking of we'll see, to wrap up the podcast here, I am taking a proposal to the listeners. I'm not sure how far you want to go in this. You were kind of mentioning like you're, you're kind of... Well, I have legitimate money in, in, yeah, okay. in, in so, stock. The con- here, here it is. I have supported Newcastle United Football Club for the past five years. I have bought multiple kits. I have spent the money on shipping from there. I've, <laughs> I have dedicated myself enough. To, I haven't been... Um, I haven't been to St. James's Park or anything like that, but basically the context is I was watching Arsenal like most of the season and thought that I was going to be them because I didn't want to pick a top, top level and I wanted to pick some fan base that had some sense of frustration because it felt like it fit to the Arizona sports roots and everything. Mm-hmm. Watching Arsenal, they're up 4 nothing, and then if you're familiar with the game at St. James's Park back in 2013 or 2014, they come back, draw 4-4, the late great Czech Teote scores an absolute screamer in the 87th minute, loses his mind, and the thing that blew my mind as an American sports fan was that all however many 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 people, they were still there. And I'm talking mm-hmm. a 4-0 lead at, at the 30th or 40th minute. You know how many like in that type of context, that's what like a 25 point lead in the mid third quarter in a basketball game? How many people would have left? They were all there and they were all there losing their mind and I was like these fans seem insane and my speed, I need to look this up and it turns out they have a terrible owner really rabid fan base though they deserve better and it's like perfect like i can jump in here and it'll feel like i belong been with them for five years lots of ups and downs including a relegation but i finally took a stand last year and said if rafa benitez is gone it's just the caliber of manager that we as a club could get and hope for he was it we got him and he showed results in doing so he got us back in the premier league Mm -hmm. Did well for us to end the year. Miguel Almiron comes in from the MLS. We have a lot of promising things about our club. He decides to leave. Uh, he decides to leave. They decide not to renew his contract, whatever it is. And I said the whole year, if Rafa's gone, I'm gone. So I'm gone. I'm a Premier League free agent right now. So <laughs> if, you're, agent. if you're listening and you want to pitch me on your club, let me know. Chelsea is the obvious front runner because they have Pulisic. But I, I'm open. I'm open to I'm open to Arsenal again because that if came to mind go, earlier. As long as you don't go to City. I, think I really, okay. I really feel like Liverpool has been my favorite club to watch for the past like two or three years, and now I feel like I'm just like a, a bandwagoner because of all the success they've had. If I join them, I, I love Jurgen Klopp and all that. They're in consideration, but let me know. Um, tweet me at Kellen Olsen your thoughts. But are you going to join me in this declaration, Jake? Give me the background on your Roma uh, roots and, and the history behind that for you. So, 
Mine goes a little farther than Jersey's. I've, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I've been to five games in Europe. Wow. Um, one of them, two of them, excuse me, on the road. One um, in Torino against Juventus and one at the Santiago Bernabeu in a Champions League game against Real Madrid. And, of course, they lost both. Uh, I've been to three home games. One of them was uh, Europa League, and they won the three that I've been in Rome. Um, I've been a fan for over 10 years, but of course the year I started watching was the year after their last trophy. So I've never seen them win a trophy, but I've seen them finish second countless times. Yeah. Speeding up to where the point we're at is I do own stock in the team. Um, <laughs> most most European soccer teams are uh, publicly traded, so you can own stock. I like to say I'm a minority shareholder. Technically I am, but you are. grand scheme of things, I don't own anything really. I don't get to make any decisions. So, with the American ownership that they have had for the last five years, I thought it was the best thing. The brand would get bigger here. They you know, beat Barcelona in the Champions League last year and went to the semis. And so now, to put it in an Arizona sports analogy, what they have just done is basically, imagine you had Shane Doan and uh, Larry Fitzgerald on the same team, and they started playing about six, seven years apart. So... Donor gets done playing, and let's be honest, the Coyotes did him wrong. They they shouldn't have ended that relationship the way they did. Yeah. So that's kind of how they ended the Francesco Totti um, relationship. Now, Totti actually won the Scudetto, won Serie A with them back in 2001. And Larry Fitzgerald, I would say, is like Daniela De Rossi, who just got pushed out. They both were forced out of the team and both publicly came out and said, this is an ownership problem. Mm. There are all these problems. The coaches are leaving. The the, the Doan Fitzgerald equivalent of your club said ownership is a problem. Yes. Yeah, like those insane. two guys. And it's like, yeah. if, if those two are saying that, what player in their right mind <laughs> would want to play for this club? And they're Because they go to that club to become the next version of those guys. And if those guys are saying you shouldn't come here, then... And and now it's as a fan, who am I supposed to cling on to? Because <laughs> I joke, they're the Walmart of of soccer teams. Like right now, it's the Black Friday sale all summer long, all transfer window long. And it's just so disheartening to see that this club is literally burning to the ground. And it, my uncle is joking, like this is the second fall of Rome, as in the Roman Empire and then now. Um, but I'll digress. I honestly, like I'll always support them, but I'm just... I just I think I've just never seen them be this just self-destructive. I'm always going to root for Newcastle, but the the support thing is like a beautiful thing that this I don't know if like soccer fans invented it per se to support a team, but that truly means like you're not just a fan or you support the club. And I no longer support Newcastle United, but I'll still root for them to do well and I I love their fans and I love their poor tortured souls right now because there was a rumored takeover coming and now that's just been like a mystery now for a month and doesn't seem like it's going to happen and if Rafa left it probably means it's not happening so yeah where where am I supposed to go is someone going to cape for like Southampton or Leeds in my mentions I don't really know I'm open to offers I'm going to I'm going to keep an eye I think I'm going to wait for the start of the season see how much they play Pulisic and how he looks and if it's going well okay but if he's like sitting on the bench I'm just they're, they're getting uh, management change too. Yeah, they got rid of Hazard. It's um, who's it? Uh, Lampard, I believe. It's Lampard or Terry, one of the two. Oh boy, he's gonna, he's gonna be coming. That's in a next rough manager. sell already for me. <laughs> not, not the biggest fans of those guys. All right, everyone, 
We'll be back next week uh, to go over Saturday's match and more in the future. I believe it's a bye week after that, but yes. more Gold Cup stuff, like we said. And appreciate you guys listening as always. Talk to you next time. Peace.